everyone, and welcome to the Mothouse Games Podcast. My name is Delton. Uh, I'm your host this evening. I'm forgetting how this even works. With me today, as usual, is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. And today I learned a cool fact. So when we first came into the podcast room, I had the hiccups. Like, it came in the most inconvenient time. Delton had just gotten everything set up. We put our headphones in. We were testing the sound. And all of a sudden, I had hiccups starting. And I must be growing or I'm still waiting for like that junior high growth spurt my grandma said I would get because I still get the hiccups like crazy to this day as an adult. And uh, Delton did not feel like waiting the 25 to 45 minutes for me to actually stop having hiccups. And so he said, why don't you eat a teaspoon of sugar? And I said, well, I'm a little skeptical about that. I've always heard growing up, eat a piece of bread or drink a glass of water. But we kind of looked up the science behind it. And Delty, would you like to explain what we learned today? So I had read somewhere recently that putting a spoonful of sugar, more than a teaspoon, a spoonful of sugar on your tongue and letting it dissolve is a way to get rid of hiccups that actually has a little science behind it. And uh, we looked it up. After I said that, Haley didn't trust me, so we both looked it up. And what it is, is there's a a nerve. healthy skepticism. It's not that I don't trust you. You don't trust me. (laughs) Uh, What it is, is there is a nerve called the vagus nerve And apparently the vagus nerve, when it is stimulated, that stops the hiccups, which are really just basically spasms in your chests. Chest. Don't have two chests. That might be strange. Uh, So basically it said the the best ways, the three ways to stimulate the vagus nerve is a spoonful of sugar dissolving on the tongue. Somehow that does it. Tickling the roof of your mouth with a Q-tip or sticking your fingers in your ears. And I had Haley do that and wiggle them. And her hiccup stopped immediately. Immediately. It was the weirdest thing I have ever experienced. Oh, my God. I cannot tell you how many times hiccups have interfered with my day-to-day life. I'm a therapist. Can you imagine going into your therapy office and your therapist is like, hold up, I got the hiccups. It's going to give me a hot second. Like, oh, my God, this is life-changing. I just had an epiphany, a life-changing moment just about 37 seconds before this podcast started. So thank you, Delty, for your wisdom. You're welcome. I'm just glad that there is actually some science. Now, it's not a 100%. You could do all three of those and still have the hiccups. But, man, it was a 100 for 100 for me. If there's, yeah, if you were concerned, you're like, crap, nothing's getting rid of my hiccups. Those are the ones that actually have a little bit of truth behind them. So, there you go. It's been a weird week, but it's been a great week. So, let's start off with drinking a beer and telling some stories. Yeah, so I guess I should probably say this is the Malthouse Games Podcast, episode 112. This is not a medical advice podcast. It is not. It's a <laughs> podcast about board games, card games, role-playing games, things of that sort. We're a little too far in the episode to be doing this part. And beer. Uh, this weekend for Valentine's Day, Haley and I uh, went out for the day on Saturday. I forget where we started. We, we got started coffee. with coffee, then we went to Madere. We went to Madere, which is a Laos restaurant and they they were saying lao i've always heard it as laotian but is lao more of a preferred way to make it uh like the adjective version that i'm not sure but they did refer to it as a lao restaurant a lao restaurant a lao beer and i'm used to the term laotian so maybe that's outdated i really don't know but they it was a lao restaurant uh which is food from laos and if you don't know where laos is it is a landlocked country right by thailand yes in southeast asia southeast asia and uh, it was a really good dish that we had. It was something very different uh, because it was, they used a vegan fish sauce. It was a lot of vegetables tossed together. I wish I would have known there was cilantro because I would have said, please don't put that on my food. <laughs> uh, but basically it's a family style where you order sticky rice. The sticky rice is essentially your utensil. You kind of 
take the sticky rice, mash it out, and you're able to then, you know, use it to pick up the pieces for us vegetables or anybody else meat. So you dip it in the spicy sauce, grab a piece of pickled cabbage, and then, you know, grab the vegetables and eat it. And it was really, really good for me, aside from cilantro. Very good. The spicy, uh, whatever the spicy dip that they had was, was phenomenal. The sticky rice was excellent. The pickled cabbage was very good. Uh, but it was a really good restaurant. We liked it a lot. They had a Lao beer, which was a, it's a rice-based beer. So the closest thing you'll have, uh, if you can't find Lao beer in a store near you, uh, the closest thing you'll find is Coors. Coors is a very, very, very heavily rice uh uh, rice in the grain bill. We, we always call it the grain bill, how much grain you put in beer. It's got a lot of rice. So that's going to be the closest of like a standard U.S., you know, domestic. And the meal that we had was called Lob, L-A-A-B. L-A-A-B. Okay, yeah. Lob. That's right, because we've never got to have it before anywhere of any other restaurant style because it's never vegan. Like, I'll tell you how sheltered I was. Whenever I was growing up, I had American food, Tex-Mex, and we had a Chinese buffet, and that was it until I was about 18, 19, and I tried Japanese food for the first time. I was 21 when Delton showed me Thai Delight. Yep. And then since then, like, I, I haven't had the opportunity to have many other cultures' foods until I moved to the city. So this is my very first experience with uh, Lao food, and it was, it was really good, I have to tell you. At first, my brain didn't recognize the flavors because it was new spices. I don't know if you've ever had that experience before where yep. like you, you try something new. I, I had it for the first time when I had uh, Indian food too. I tried a bite. My brain did not compute what spices I was tasting because I was raised on garlic powder. But then I had another bite and just fell in love with it. And it was the same with Madero. It was the same with the Lao food. The lob was really good. The first bite, I was like, I don't, I don't compute this flavor, not garlic powder or garlic salt. And then fell in love with it. Really good. Chili spice, good. Beer, good. Good day. What else we do, Delton? Uh, we finished there at Madere and walked across the street and got bubble tea, boba tea. Uh, after boba tea, we drove down to Game HQ, where we haven't been in forever, and found out that they uh, have a used section that is bigger than the old one, and uh, found actually a couple games we wanted to pick up from the used section, which was awesome. I guess a collector had brought in a very large portion of, if not all of his collection. Uh, so we picked up London's 2nd Edition, Ginkopolis, and Crash Octopus. Uh, London, I don't think has ever been played. Ginkopolis uh, was unpunched, and uh, Crash Octopus is a dexterity game, so it could have been played a million times and be fine because it's wooden pieces. So we picked those up, and then from there, where do we go from there? We went to the brewery. I went to the mall. We bought you some pants, uh, a very short in and out because uh, I did not like how many people were in the mall and how few masks there were. Yes, that so. made Delton and I really don't go anywhere, and so this weekend was like our first outing in a while, especially since we had COVID. Yeah. We kind of hunk we hunkered down, of course, and so we're still wearing masks everywhere, and not a lot of people are in Oklahoma, which is a little unnerving. But found you a couple pairs of shorts, got the heck out of there, and then yes, we went to a brand new brewery that opened in the fall of 2020 down in Bethany, Oklahoma. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of a good example for Bethany. Uh, the Bethany War Acres area is. It's essentially in the middle of Oklahoma City, but it's its own city. And I don't know how to... It's, it's, it's a suburb. Like, it, it's, but it's not a suburb because it's like the dead center of the town, kind of. I guess not really, but sort of. It, it's, it's way more centralized than I would consider a true suburb. But I don't know a better way. It, to me, it almost reminds me of... Uh, what, do New York, what does New York have with like Bronx and Queens? I don't know. 
What are those called? I don't know. District? A kind of. It's kind of like a district, but it's its own town. Well, it's it's south enough from Oklahoma City that it has its own laws, but not too far south. It's like Valley Brook where it has too many strip clubs to count. That's true. But even it's, then... It has different laws, but it's not lawless. Yeah, it's it's strange, but it's 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 right there. But anyway, it is Broke Brewing Co., um, a neat little building, very like... 80s, early 80s. Imagine aesthetic. 1983. It's wood panel walls, golden lettering, a lot of blue. A lot of block print colors. Brian said it felt to him like they took a little bit of the 60s and merged it with the 80s. And like that feels about right. But we got to go there, sit down, have two flights in a virtually empty bar or empty brewery. Uh, it was before the rush was going to come since it was a Saturday and they had burlesque and coming. they had burlesque that night. So we got in several, several hours before that. I think there were two people sitting down and we had like two come in and leave and then another two come in and then we left. So there was barely anybody in there, which was awesome. A good, good time to sit, relax, take in the vibes. But this first beer today that we're going to drink is from broke brewing co as well as the second beer. This is pocket change, a cerveza lager. So it is a Mexican style lager. This is 5% alcohol by volume, and the hot profile is probably in like 30% of their little chart thing, and their malt profile is probably like, uh, you know, 27%. Yeah, I think that's about accurate. And Delphi, we haven't tried this one yet, right? We have not tried either of these two, I don't think, have we? Did we have the other beer? We had the other one, I think. Okay, we have not had this one, though. Pocket change. It's slightly hazy but very, very light in color. It smells like a Corona. Actually, mine's hazier than yours. Look. Did you have the bottom of the can or I had the, the top? Bo- I had the bottom of the can. It smells like a, a richer Corona, like that Corona vibe, but like yeah. a much richer, deeper, sweeter smell. It smells like a Mexican lager. That's nice and light. It, it doesn't have like any sourness to it, which I kind of expected for some reason. Yeah, I was almost expecting, I guess it's because I've only had Corona that's been in my parents' garage for about six to eight months <laughs> right but it, i was kind of expecting almost a skunkiness at the end but it's not it's very round it's very light finished too this is a very drinkable beer i can imagine drinking this in the summertime definitely it's definitely not super hoppy it's not super malty very very light yeah this would be a good summer beer because it's five percent alcohol so it's a little more than a standard uh but yeah that's a pretty good beer not real complex but a lot of times mexican lagers aren't very complex that's just the style of beer I'm ready for a six-pack of this in my kiddie pool. Well, summer's going to be here before we know it. But yes, after that brewery, we went to Lee's Sandwiches in Oklahoma City, which I found out, I don't know if I've said this before, we always thought Lee's Sandwiches was a local thing, but it's actually a chain out of California from like the 50s or something. From the 80s. Was it from the 80s? Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so Lee's Sandwiches, we grabbed the sandwiches that we like that are vegan and the uh, egg rolls that are vegan. And ate those, came home, and uh, that was our day. And it was a really nice time out. We got to do a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, you know, just got to spend the day together for our Valentines, buy each other a few things here and there. And it was a really good time. It really was. I'm very grateful for the good day. And then, of course, Delton got me a bag of coffee from Many Worlds Tavern. Many Worlds Tavern. There we go. It was delicious. And then since then, we've just been hanging out at the house. We've been playing a lot of games lately, which has been really fun. Yeah. We've also been learning Japanese together. We've been trying to. We're planning. Uh, I think we've talked about this uh, for our 10 year wedding anniversary, which will be in 2025. Three years yes. from now. So 2025 yes. will be our 10 year wedding anniversary. We are going to take a trip to Japan, probably going to do like a full two weeks, maybe a little under. We want to truly, you know, go 
and uh, experience it as a tourist and also try to have some quiet days. Um, but we want to go do that. And so we decided it was probably not only in our best interest, but also uh, out of just being polite. I feel like when you go to a country that doesn't speak a lot of English, it's polite to learn, try to learn as much as you can before you go. So that's our approach to Japan, because I know they're taught English, but from everything, I've watched a lot of videos, read a lot, and English just isn't spoken much there, even though they can speak it and they learn it in school. Plus, like Del said, we're going to Japan. We should probably learn Japanese. Like we're going to a different place that speaks a different language and is up to us to be able to navigate and get around. And so that's what we're trying to do. And I feel like there's always this weird curve in language learning. You know, having learned uh, a lot of Spanish, like I took years of Spanish in school. And of course, I have a minor in German. I feel like the first maybe like six weeks of learning a language, you're like, oh, yeah, I am so good at this language. I can I can tell you what the weather is like in Japanese. I can order a fish, though I'm vegan. I can ask for a fluffy cat. And, like, I'm feeling way up high. And for some reason, even though I've only been studying Japanese for, like, three weeks, I'm, like, feeling more confident in actually speaking the terms than I am in speaking Spanish or German right now. But I know that will change because it feels like, is it like for you, like, when you first start learning a language, you're like, oh, yeah, I got this. It's all making sense. And you actually start to learn the language. And you're like, oh, no, I'm never going to learn this. There's too much grammar. And so I'm just waiting for the fall. I was about to say, this is my experience through, uh, in college, I did German as my second language. I wanted to take biblical Greek. However, uh, through my, uh, from the year that I started college, because I was a late graduate, basically, I took too long in college. Uh, But my original, uh, what's it called? Like your graduation plan? Yes. Whatever it was, uh, I had to have two modern languages. So Greek or Latin would not work, which sucked because I wanted to take Greek. But without it being actually needed as a credit or helpful for me to graduate, it was pointless for me to take because it was more money. So I was, didn't, didn't take it. I took German. German was like, neat. This is German. You know, what is that? Nah, they're auto. Are you old? Alt. And you're like, ah, yeah, I'm figuring it out. And then you hit the grammar and you're like, uh, duh, duh, what? And then it just goes downhill from there. That's how I feel like I am in Japanese right now. Like I know right now. I'm feeling confident because I know like 47 words and I can make yep. basic sentences. And then here in the next couple of lessons, I'm just going to be dragged into the dirt. Well, like I explained to Cody, we only need to be able to communicate at a toddler level for people to understand what we're trying to say. We don't have to know all the intricacies. Now, given but I want to. understanding what is spoken to you is going to be more difficult, but if you can grasp what is spoken to you and then relay something but it's very simple people will still be able to pick up what we're saying like if we are saying i need to you know i need to get a train ticket whatever the word for train is and then you know kipu i believe was ticket they would know oh train ticket and they can point you in the direction so i feel like that's going to be simple enough for us that we'll be able to communicate even if we struggle as long as we get the vocab down and the basic sentence structure I want to do more, though. That's okay. We'll figure it out. I want to be able to watch an entire SpongeBob episode in Japanese and know what's going on. That's my goal. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. After that long banter there with Haley talking about watching a SpongeBob episode, uh, I thought that was a good transition into the game of today's episode, which is Blockbuster from Big Potato Games. 
Uh, recently, we had uh, Big Potato featured with Nice Buns, which is a game we really enjoy. A lot of people have played Chameleon, which is another popular game. I have yet to play Chameleon, but I hear it's good. Blockbuster is one that was showed to us at Brian's birthday party. Dakota brought that over and uh, because they had talked about how you know him and Ashley, his girlfriend, play it and really like it and play it with their families and stuff. And so we played a round of it, and we were like, wow, this is a really good game for you know playing with family or playing with people that aren't interested in playing really big you know board games or anything like that this is a good introductory family game or party game but it's also a good game just to get everybody kind of here we go we're into the game mode let's do this and everybody kind of kicks into gear so it was a good thing for that we thought we need to pick this up sometime well our local aldi had it for 10 bucks hell yeah brother and it normally retails for 20 or 25 so it's a pretty inexpensive game anyway but for 10 dollars, i was like yeah i'm this will hit the table plenty for uh, an affordable even $20. So I thought, let's pick it up. So the Blockbuster game is not a trivia game. It is more, I guess you could consider it a trivia game if it's a trivia of titles, but it's a party style game about movie titles, guessing those movie titles in different ways. So the way the game starts off is splitting up into teams. Now it plays between four and 10 players. You could probably go with more than 10. That just becomes too many people. And it says that it takes 30 to 60 minutes. I think that's accurate. I mean, if you if you took a while, we can also, you can play pretty fast though too. But four to 10 players, you split up into two teams. And then the first thing it does is a head-to-head round where two players, There's a it comes with a buzzer. You have to include your own batteries. And what happens with the head-to-head, you flip it and it says like movies that take place in the ocean. And the first person that says one of them then hits the buzzer and it gives the other player 15 seconds to come up with another movie title that uh, takes place in the ocean. They say theirs, hit the buzzer. You do that till somebody can't. So the person who wins that head-to-head will draw six cards. Each of these cards will have a movie title on them as well as a color that's going to represent like blue is all-time classics, red is horror, uh, I think orange was action or something like that. And you'll pick the three that you want to keep. You'll give the other three to the opponent. And then the three that you want to keep, you put down uh, on the little parking lot board that comes with it. And what happens is of those three movie titles, one of them, you will give your team a clue of a single word. One of them, you'll give your team a clue of a quote. And one of them, you will do a charade. Now, the good news is, I know the minute I said you give it in a quote, uh, you don't have to have an exact quote. If you have never seen the movie Gremlins and the quote, you know, you have no clue uh, what a quote from that movie would be, you'd be like, oh, look at him. He's so cute and fuzzy. He's adorable, but don't let water touch him. Like, okay, boom, that's easy. That's Gremlins, right? Uh, Obviously, you can't go on forever and ever, but you can kind of make up quotes, which is fine. I have seen RoboCop probably five times in my life. I could not tell you a quote, let alone the premise. (laughs) Right. But that's how the game's going to work. The different colored cards, so like the horror cards and the action cards and the romance cards, um, you want to get one of all seven colors. And uh, if you ever have three of a single color, you can trade those three in to steal a card from your opponent. And whoever gets, I believe it's seven, whoever gets one of each each of the seven colors wins the game. So it's not too complicated. It's a pretty simple game to play. Uh, but me and Haley thought we would show you an example of a head-to-head because it's fun, and I can even use the timer. You think the timer will work or just not worry about the timer? Do the timer. You sure? Because yes. I can also clock 15 seconds with that. Timer. Okay. 
All right, I have the timer here. Let me make sure the thing's on first. Uh, that's off. That is on. All right, I'll hold it up right here by my microphone so it'll pick up the sounds, but I'll try to make it not too loud. All right, we'll do a head-to-head. Are you ready, Haley? Ready, Delty. Our head-to-head is movies where there's a race. Uh, Fast and Furious. Rat race. Uh, Cool Runnings. Talladega Nights. Oh, that's a really good one. I don't know movies about races now. Ugh. Uh, 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 I got, I got nothing. Nope. 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 I'm out. Snow dogs. Snow dogs. Yeah. Forgot about that. That's a really bad one it's for Cuba me. Cuba Gooding Jr. But yeah. essentially, there you go. Uh, we have had head-to-heads go very long. <laughs> We've also had them go like two movies. Yeah. Cody and I made direct eye contact for a solid five minutes naming off uh, movies that took place on the ocean. Yes, it was a lot. Now, there are some rules to this. Uh, and this, I think, is um, an important thing to keep in mind. With the head-to-head, no sequels. If I say Fast and Furious, Haley can't say Too Fast, Too Furious, so I don't say Tokyo Drift, so she doesn't say Fast Five, so I don't say Fast and Furious, so she doesn't say, you know, Fast 99, Furious 47, none of that crap. So that really helps keep it moving. Um, You can also always challenge an answer, uh, so you can look up the movie to determine if it was right or wrong, if you really think they're wrong. Um, And then... Uh, obviously you can't say a word, a word that appears in the film. So if you're talking about alien, you can't say, ah, an alien burst out of my chest. That's not allowed. It's nice and simple. Uh, but really that's it. That's the whole game. It's very simple, but it's very fun. I remember Delton and I had a really good round, uh, one, one time. So we were playing, we're on the same team. It was Brian's birthday. Yep. And I had to have him guess American werewolf in London. And I chose that one for my charade part where I had to act it out. And I tried my darndest to emulate the transformation scene. And I thought I looked like an absolute goober. And Delton got it in like seven seconds. It was a great transformation scene in the movie. And Haley did a great job relaying that. But that's what's fun about this game so far is it doesn't... Uh, the, there's, there's two sides of the coin here. And the game talk won't be super long because the game's simple. But that's because we have more to say in the topic. But what I like about the game is you don't have to really know too much about the movie. You mostly have to know the title. If you know Fast and Furious is a racing movie, you could put that as a, a quote and just be like, I'm driving this car. It, it's quick. Or I'm racing in a car. And you're like, okay, there's only a few movies you can really think of that you'll name that, right? So then they'll probably guess within the 30 seconds or whatever. It's Stuart Little. It's Stuart Little. There you go. Uh, you know, the same thing. If you're, uh, the hard one was like, we had somebody had Frozen on your team. And we're doing like, it was Brian doing shivering and trying to like, you know, do the spell or whatever and and snow. That was really hard for people to get, but everyone was guessing like snowy, icy things. So I feel like that you can kind of fudge it if you haven't seen the movie, but there's also always the chance that if you just want to say, I don't know what this is and get a new card, that's probably fine. Yeah. It's it's a party game. That's the thing. This is a party game. This is not a Euro game. You know, one card is probably not going to define the outcome of the game. and you're really not going to remember who won the game or not. No, not at all. But yeah, it's a, it's a really fun game. It's a great party game. Like I said, it's inexpensive. It comes in a VHS case, which is really funny to me because it is Blockbuster. Um, but it's definitely one, if you enjoy party games or your group likes to get started with a game like this or you want to go you know, spend time with, uh, play some games at a family gathering or with some friends that you don't see often, this is a really easy, you know, make for some laughs, makes for some good times. 
you get Cody doing a one-word clue that's just, hello, from <laughs> Miss Doubtfire. Or Delton going, donkey. Donkey, for my, my Shrek one-word. Um, we always say that appropriate <laughs> accents are allowed for your character if it's a, a one-word or a quote. If it's like Shrek or if it's like Mrs. Of, Doubtfire, of course, of like course. nothing. Yes, that's why, that's why yeah. I said an appropriate accent. Um, but uh, it's a really fun game. So it's definitely one, you know, if you like party games, you like things like this, but you're not super into deep trivia, I think this is a good one to grab. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So for the topic today, we wanted to talk a little bit more in length during this topic about pop culture in games. Because this is something that I feel like comes up all the time, at least with me. I've been trying to watch more and more movies. I still have seen nothing. You know what I mean? There's so many, because I'm choosing to watch obscure horror movies from like the 60s, or I'm watching some new release, and you know, we're watching uh, Edgar's The Lighthouse, things like that. So I haven't seen a lot of classic quote-unquote films. He wasn't baptized with E-Entertainment as a seven-year-old like I was. I was not. I was watching cartoons. I was watching E-Entertainment with mom, VH1, behind the music, and a whole lot of trash reality TV when it first started. Road rules. Road rules. Nailed it. But yeah, so something we wanted to talk about is that pop culture and games, because pop culture and games has, in, in my mind, it has two paths that it can take. It has a um, nostalgic and conversation starting path. I feel like those go hand in hand. It's a movie, even if it's not nostalgic, it's a movie you love. So you tell people, oh, you guys need to watch this movie. Here's why. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Especially in a game like Blockbuster, where it's a lot of the famous popular movies there. It's a lot of movies that most people have seen or at least a lot of people. Um, but then there's the other side which is where pop culture references can also kind of alienate people or make them feel outside. It is a double-edged sword. Definitely. And so before we dive into this topic too deep, let's get our other beer, Delty Poo. Going early with the beer today. Going early? I guess the game topic was really short, but yeah. it's, you know, this game doesn't have a super ton of depth to talk about. Plus you finished your beer before we even started the game explanation. <laughs> yeah, I really did. This is also from uh, Broke Brewing Co., this is the Broke Brunette Brown Ale. It is a 6.1% alcohol by volume. It's probably about 25% on the hot profile, but about 75% on the malt profile. And I love their label. Like, I don't like the way it feels. It feels interesting. But the, the label design, it looks like 80s Art Deco. Like, take the yeah. Art Deco style, but make it more 80s. I love it. It does. It really does. It's, an, it's a neat B for their Broke. Uh, ooh, this is Malty. Ch- malty? Chocolatey, caramelly goodness. Not too sweet, not too dry. Maybe we didn't have this one. We had a brown. No, we had the amber. Oh, we had the amber. The broke amber. The amber was fine. I wasn't the biggest fan of the amber, but man, that apricot. It was like a brown apricot that they had was so good. This smells like the rogue hazelnut beer that I loved so much that I think they discontinued. This smells like that. So it's very, very dark, very little light coming through. I'm going to get my hopes up, aren't I? It does have that. I mean, if you ever had a brown oh. ale, hazelnut's not really an actual taste of brown ale, but Rogue had that brown oh. ale that was super hazelnutty. I'm just expecting that now. I can't get my hopes up. That's pretty good, though. You get some, like, nuttiness in the back. It's like a, it's like a campfire nuttiness, in a way. It's almost a thin beer in the front, 
But then once it hits the like middle of your mouth, that's when the like carbonation hits and it kind of like opens up, I feel. You know, I know I still was going to get my hopes up expecting the uh, rogue hazelnut, but I'm, I'm glad I didn't get that. I, I like this. This tastes like, I think this is a very fall beer. I can it imagine is. having this when you're sitting outside. It, it tastes in a good way like a campfire. Like, I don't mean to say it doesn't taste like, like liquid smoke or anything like that, but you kind of get that, yeah. that roasty, fiery finish with a little bit of... Once it finishes, mm. there's this lingering like nuttiness, yeah, toastiness. That's what I was about to say, like the the nutty, yeah, afterbirth, <laughs> oaky afterbirth. Uh, but no, that's a really good brown ale. It's nice and simple. Um, I like I like that the 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 profile of it changes where it comes in real clean and, and almost thin to me, but then it opens up. Then you hit the full depth of the the malt, and then after you swallow, that malt dies off. But then you have that like nuttiness that lingers mm. in the back of your throat. That's a really interesting like mouthfeel and taste profile the whole way through. I want to sit outside and carve pumpkins now. I mean, we could probably find some, but it's also <laughs> cold today. It's like 20. Anyway, so yes, back to the topic here. We wanted to talk about, like I said, pop culture and games. So something that I've always had a hard time with is in games like this, if you just don't know a reference. And I feel like that's not a huge thing for me because in a game like this, I'm going to know a bunch of these movies. I may not know all of them. I may not have seen Citizen Kane, but if you say Rosebud, I know that's from Citizen Kane, but I'll forget in the moment because I've never seen it. I haven't seen Casablanca. I wasn't born in 1880. (laughs) So it's one of those things where... Unlike Brian. Unlike Brian. (laughs) uh, It's one of those things where you're going to miss some of these references. Not everyone is going to have seen every movie in this game. But the difference is, if you haven't seen hardly any of the movies in this game, and that's something we came across when playing with Jinwen and Cody. So we've talked about Jinwen before, and Jinwen's from Malaysia. Uh, uh, Mandarin is her first language. I believe Cantonese or Malay is her second language. The other one is her third language, and then I believe English is her fourth? Fifth. Anyway, Jinwen got her master's degree in English, which is her fifth language. So Jinwen is officially the smartest woman I've ever met in my life. <laughs> right, yeah, a master's in counseling psychology in your fifth language in a different country than you're used to. So Jinwen's been in the U.S. for 12 years? Yes. Okay, 12 years, which means these movies that are iconic staples for a childhood or, you know, kind of the, the culture of the United States, a lot of these are very unknown to Jinwen. And it's something that we discovered when, you know, she, she hasn't seen Shrek. She doesn't know what Miss Doubtfire is. She didn't know Cody's hello or Delt and I are just like rolling on the floor laughing. And, yeah. And... No, we. I know that she had played. They Cody and Jim when I talked about like they had played this before, and it's hard because you don't want Jim when to feel alienated in this. Like Delton was saying, like games like this can easily make somebody feel alienated if they don't know the culture. And it's hard too because you know, luckily it was there's four of us, a small group. We're all good friends. We're very close friends. So we also know Jinwen can always be open with us. She knows she can tell us these things, and she did. She's like, I don't know what this is. Can Cody give me a clue? Absolutely, we don't care whatever you know we'll do you can put the card away find a new card that's fine she knew what some like snow white she knew some of the disney movies um but it, it's something that we talked about and it's just when you don't grow up with those movies you know when jinwin came over here to go to school and then she went through schooling all that and then she started a professional career and he, she even said she doesn't want to sit down and have to watch all these movies to try to catch up on these generations of essentially babysitters is what these movies were. Uh, this is a, you know, multiple generations of movies that we watched as kids. It's not going to have that same effect. It's not going to have that same 
uh, impact now to where she might not remember the quote. She might see the movie and enjoy it, but if she's not watched it 40 different times every other Saturday, it's not going to hit the same. And so for her, it's like, you know, she didn't get to watch these, so she doesn't know majority of the cards we're playing. And it just kind of feels bad for me because it's like, I don't want to exclude. The whole thing is we're playing games as friends. And that just kind of stinks. And so, you know, I, I kind of want to take this topic in the two directions. Yeah. You know, one direction is you know, us kind of talking about how to include folks who might not know the cultural references or how to, you know, still be included if you don't know the cultural references too or how you can modify games, but also how these games can still be fun icebreaker games too. Because when we talk about this game, like, we're not saying, oh, this, this game, you know, it's not culturally inclusive. Like, no, it's, a, it's American culture. It's very much a Western culture. Like, that's, that's the game. Uh, Blockbuster was very much a United States and Canada thing, from what I understand. We're not trying to dig at the game for that. We're just saying, like, be mindful of the group that you're playing with and be mindful of the players' interactions, too. Even if you are playing with all Americans who are corn-fed, born and bred, raised in the great U.S. of A., and they have watched all these movies, you still might have a Delton. Yay. Who wasn't aware of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee until Pamela and Tommy oh, premiered knew, on Hulu. I knew about it before then. <laughs> well, there, was, there was something, what was it? Oh, it was the 90s documentary that... It, it was the Von Dutch. The Von Dutch. That I yes. had no clue what that even was. I had was. to educate Delton on Von Dutch before we watched the history of Von Dutch. Because all I saw was a horrible logo. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, so let's let's kind of talk about that. Let's talk about first, you know... One, making sure everyone feels included in this game. And then let's kind of talk about how this can really bring game, bring people together. And so I know I think something to be mindful of is watching folks' body language in this too. Because like, Delton, if, you, if someone's disengaged from a game, what do you tend to see? Oh, I mean, a lot of times it's sitting back from the table. It's checking cell phones. It's looking around. They're not looking at teammates. Like it's a lot of times it's just, it, it's to me, the way I've always noticed it is it's pure disengagement, not just from the game, but the group. It's like, okay, all this stuff is happening. I'm going to do something that's only for me and myself. Looking at my phone. I'm going to read this thing over here. I'm going to look over there and look at the clock on the wall. I feel like that's an easy way to kind of notice some body language. Um, and like I said, the biggest one is when someone kind of like sits back, not focusing, puts their head up. They're not looking at the cards. They're not waiting on a, on a teammate. They just like sit back and kind of di- physically distance themselves from it a little bit. I think that's a great thing to look at for, like physically distancing yourself from the game, putting the yeah. cards down, not looking at them, not thinking about it. And so, you know, if you notice somebody who's playing like that, you know, it's, it's okay to, you know, ask the table, not necessarily single them out if we're all feeling good, if we're feeling engaged. I think it's also okay to kind of modify the rules a little bit. Like with, with Jen Wynn, you know, Jim Wynn, and Cody kind of talked about how um, they had played this with a- another group or a family or something like that. And Jim Wynn didn't really feel engaged. And so, like Delton said, we kind of modified the rules where Jim Wynn could ask Cody for help with a clue. Or, you know, there were times when, uh, you know, we just gave clues based on the the title, the words in the in the movie title, rather than what the movie was actually about. Because even though, like, there were some movies that Jim Wynn had seen, like RoboCop. She said she watched RoboCop a lot as a kid. but the version of RoboCop that she saw was edited and completely different than the one that we saw. And so even then, she had seen RoboCop a thousand times. Yep. Completely different premise. Completely different idea of what the movie is about. Yep. And so don't be afraid to kind of modify the game a bit too. And also don't be afraid to stop playing the game. You know, if 
the game, the point of, I think, I think the point of party games is to bring people together. It's kind of that, we always say that social loop again, it gets things moving, it gets people kind of flowing together. And if this game's not doing the trick, it's okay to table it. Oh, absolutely. And that goes for any game ever, right? If you're playing with a group and someone is just not having a good time, it's okay to stop playing. We've talked about that before. Something I've loved, and I'm going to bring up just because I think it's an interesting thing and it can be useful, uh, not necessarily only for uh, party games. It's used a lot in role-playing games. Uh, But I've noticed games have included an X card or an X on the table. And it's if a subject comes up, if something, like I said, this is normally focused more towards role-playing, but if something's being discussed you're uncomfortable with, if someone's, you know, using words that you don't like, if, if a situation's arising that you're like, this is not something I want to portray as a role player there's a card you hold up or a card you point to that has an x on it and what that is meant for is this is not something i'm comfortable with it is nixed skipped over and moved on you don't have to discuss it you don't have to explain none of that is happening we're going to move past it and continue and i think that's something to keep in mind with all games is if someone's just like hey this isn't doing it for me or i'm not having a great time or i feel excluded or i don't get these references I'm really not having fun. Can we do something else? Uh, Be very open and welcoming to that because you want people to be comfortable when they're playing games with you because what's the point of playing a game if you're not having fun? Right. And like with with Jen Wynn too, like I don't mean to be like she didn't know any of the references. Like there are many cards that she knew the references for. Oh, yeah. There are many cards where she wasn't just acting out the title, but she actually knew the content of the movie. But it was was a lot less than us who have grown up within the culture. Oh, definitely. And that's the thing, right? Uh, the movies in the 80s and 90s in, in the U.S., like Hollywood is a U.S. thing. Other countries have movies. Korean movies are awesome. I know there's a lot of Chinese movies. You can get movies from India. There's movies from Russia. There's movies from all over Europe. There's movies from Africa. There's movies from every continent, essentially. And like a bunch of countries have big like cinema companies, right? It's a big thing. But Hollywood is specifically U.S., and then we uh, distribute those out. So all of these movies in this blockbuster game are U.S. Hollywood movies. Jen Wynn probably knows hundreds of movies that she got in Malaysia that we would never know about that are probably awesome movies, but you know they're not in a blockbuster in the United States. So this really is a culturally, you know, um, I don't want to say, I'm trying to think of the way. It's like a these movies are milestones for people. It's kind of a way they're like anchor points. It's culturally specific. Yes, culturally specific movies. So yeah, she knew several of them or quite a few of them, but it was the that, you know, it's just not all of them. It's so many that are specific to growing up in the US. And so that being said, you know, there are a lot of perks to this game. Like I can imagine bringing this game to my family and, you know, everyone's kind of standoffish or everyone's been doing their own thing and it's it would be a good game to bring people together because with a lot of these cultural references, they're for the most part, a lot of references we all, in my family at least, recognize. And so I know if I lay down the the card that is Shrek, I know there are 15 different ways I can get my family to watch Shrek because literally to this day, my dad watches that almost every single Saturday. He watches Shrek. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But like this can really bring people together too. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, I said in the beginning that uh, there's kind of two ways you want to take this. One is the exclusionary method or the exclusionary path, which is people that don't understand these things for multiple different reasons. But then there's also the path of it opens up conversation. 
this is a move a, a game where uh, I'm just gonna reach. I'm gonna move my mic a little bit. Might make some noise. All right, I reached in. I grabbed a stack of the decks. I flipped it over. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Never seen it. I know it's a western. No clue. So I'm just gonna skip that. Uh, and that's gonna, one I've seen fifty times. I'm also gonna skip Gone with the Wind. Uh, okay, Wolf of Wall Street under drama. If someone's like, oh, I've never seen Wolf of Wall Street, I can tell them why I liked it, and I can tell them why they might not, might not like it. Or if it's like my favorite movie, we can talk about it. 101 Dalmatians, you know, uh, there's Citizen Kane again, Lawrence of Arabia, Scream. There you go, Scream. I can say, you haven't seen Scream? Do you like kind of scary movies? Do you like movies to be very fourth wall breaky and very meta and understanding of everything that they're doing and how it's all a trope, but that's the point? Like, it starts a conversation. So even if they don't know it, you can also find ways to connect with people by explaining, like, I love this for this reason. This is why you might like it. Or sharing memories, too. Hey, remember when we watched Shrek every single Saturday growing up? Yes, because Dad's still doing it. Like, there's so many ways that you can connect. And it is, like, whenever... There's, like, that that really... You, you feel connected with someone whenever you guess their clue. Like, I'm sure whenever I was doing my flash dance on the floor of Brian's house and you guessed American Werewolf in London... Like, I felt so much joy. I felt like, yes, he got it. We're on the same wavelength. Right. Like, it feels so good to connect like that. Like, he understood my clue. I communicated to him with my sweet-ass body moves. And so it it really can, you know, create a group cohesion, too, playing this game. But just be mindful of, like Delton said, someone's withdrawing. Someone's distancing themselves. You know, be mindful of that, but also don't be afraid to use these games. Party games that are pop culture focused. Because there's plenty of party games that don't need pop culture. Wavelength, aside from one or two cards, doesn't need pop culture to be a functioning game. That way everybody can be involved, unless your clue is a pop culture reference. Um, but just that, that is the thing to be mindful with pop culture games, is that it's going to be hard for some people if they're not you know, around that. In the same way, I'm sure that if we got... I know that they have a similar version to this that's MTV. So it's all music. Uh, that would be impossible for me, right? I would be able to get like a bunch of the '90s grunge, and I would probably be able to get like some of the I don't know. I don't really know what methods they do. Probably some of the early 2000s metal stuff, but that's about it. But it's just you have to keep that in mind. Keep in mind the people around you, and that those references aren't always going to hit. And sometimes a game like this that we've had a lot of fun with isn't going to be that fun for some people. I think with that being said, let's move to the question so we can wrap this up. And now, join us for a Malthouse Games podcast special bite-sized question. So the question of the episode is, what is a beloved VHS that you have from childhood? Because the Blockbuster game comes in a VHS case, basically. So Delty, what's yours? I used to have the entire Godzilla collection and the spines of all the VHS boxes when they were all put next to each other spelled out Godzilla and had his face. And I just remember the son of Godzilla or whatever it was called, child of Godzilla and how cheesy that was. I don't didn't I don't remember too much about him. I remember Mothra being cool. Uh, that's about it. But yeah, I had I had that whole collection. and I was so proud of it. And I couldn't tell you a thing about those movies aside from Godzilla fought a monster. Amazing. Yeah. How about you? So I got kind of a story. Go for it. So the one that I remember the most and the one I really cherished was so we had this video store in Elk City called JP's Video, and it actually uh, survived longer than Blockbuster because Blockbuster lasted about five years, I think, in Elk before it went under, and JP's didn't close until I was about 20. And so uh, we would go to JP's Video Store, 
and I would always rent. You remember Tiny Toons, Tiny Toon Adventures? Yeah. They had Tiny Toons Summer Vacation, and it was a VHS tape. It was, it was a like a full length movie almost. It was Tiny Toons Summer Vacation. I rented that like crazy, and so all throughout my childhood, I walked to the video store, rent it. Walked to the video store, rent it. Watched it so many times, and then you know, of course, moved away from Elk City, grew up. And when I was about 20, I went back to Elk and we went to JP's. JP's was closing and they were selling all of their DVDs and Blu-rays and, of course, the VHSs too. And at this point, it's 2011, 2012. And so really, people aren't buying uh, VHSs anymore. They're kind of out. And I go to the, the junk bin and what do I find? The Looney Tunes Summer Vacation VHS. I have it. I bought it for a dollar. It is in my bedroom. I bought it and I kept it. Is Looney Tunes, Tiny Tunes, same thing? Or Tiny Tunes, yeah. It's, uh, it's aren't a, they just kids? Yeah, it's the kids okay, version. That's what I thought. Uh, Bugs Bunny makes a cameo at one point, and I loved the um, Tiny Tunes movie because the little chicken guy said damn a lot. He just cussed like crazy in a, a cartoon. Chicken guy. Yeah, a little chicken guy. He's writing his letter about what he did for summer vacation. The one that cusses all the time in Tiny Toons. I'm tr- well, I'm trying to think of which chicken guy that would be. Foul mouth. Foul mouth. There he is, because it's foul like a bird mouth. But like in the 90s, when you'd watch Tiny Toons, he would just be cussing. He'd be saying, damn this, damn that, damn this, damn that. And then like once 2000 rolled around, they started to bleep it out. And it was like, beep this, beep that. But like on my VHS, he still says damn as he's writing his what I did for summer vacation letter and i thought it was the funniest thing as a kid he's an anthropomorphic rooster he's got white feathers blue eyes i have i don't remember this guy at all uh he's based on his mentor and favorite teacher foghorn leghorn tiny tunes okay it's been so long since i've seen anything tiny tunes he's got a quote of dad gum ah dad gum it uh now it used to be uh g damn it oh here you go I'd be a rich bleeped expletive guy. I don't believe it. I got bleep expletive lunch all soggy and burps. Pardon me. It's like a quote from him. Dadgum bleeped explicit, it yeah, says. Yeah, it used to be GD. That's pretty funny. And like it was in a kid's cartoon too. Well, of course it was. It's old cartoons for you. Well, with that old movie uh, put back in the VHS box and thrown through the rental video store shoot on the front door, uh, I think that does it for this episode. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to our Patreon patrons. Thank you so much, Allison, Alan, Jesse, Catherine, Cliff, and Jennifer. Thank you all so much for supporting us at a level in which you get shouted out on the podcast. Uh, if you want to be like them, you can always head over to patreon.com slash malthousegames, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S games. If you have a comment, a question, any sort of game that you think we need to look at, any topic you want us to cover, question to answer on the episode, anything like that, you can always send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. You can also find us on social media at Malthouse Games. You can find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Give us a rating on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify, anywhere you can do that sort of thing. Uh, Don't forget, if you want a t-shirt with our logo on it, you can head over to shop.malthousegames.com. You can also just go to malthousegames.com to see our other content with, I just realized, no link to the shop. (laughs) But that's okay. Uh, I think that 
does it for the episode though. I feel like I'm missing something, but I'm not. I'm looking at how long we've been recording for. This is a longer episode than I thought it would be, but that's okay. Because it was fun. It was a good one. So thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Mothouse Games Podcast, episode number 112. So until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Goodbye. Bye.